ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about cow bugles, locating elk, and attracting scents. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us tonight, thank you for tuning in. We are glad that you are here and honored that you would jump in. So if this is your first time, the way Wapiti Wednesday works is we typically start with a discussion or a topic. And tonight we are going to talk about cow bugles. We're going to talk about elk scents. And we also have a couple of (laughs) um, questions uh, from members that have, uh, you know, commented throughout the day. Also, if this is your first time here or you're just enjoying the content, make sure that you like, subscribe, uh, or follow, depending on which platform you're on, and make sure that you turn on notifications as well, so that way you're notified every time we go live moving forward. And also, as we're rolling along, whatever platform you're on, feel free to put your questions into the comments and the chats, and we'll do our best to cover those. So. Mr. Jack Keithley, hello. Scott, um, no, Idaho draws are not out yet. So, okay. So first thing we're gonna talk about is elk sense. Um, I posted a picture today of uh, both on Instagram and on the Facebook page of the hot on the trail scents. Uh, they look like deodorant sticks and that's really 
what I use and the the ones that I posted today in the white containers those are synthetic uh, reason that's important is there are 12 states that have basically outlawed using real pee in the attractant sense so companies are having to go to a synthetic and market hot on the trail has both synthetic and real urine so depending on which state you're in make sure you check your hunting regs and really really double check that but the way I use those is, 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 like I said, they look just like a deodorant stick. And I use those a couple of different ways. He has different um, scents available. He has a bull blend, which the bull blend, I will... Um, use those a lot of times if there's a bull that is rubbing in an area uh, because what bulls will do is right in front of their eye they have a pre-orbital gland that they will open up and they will rub that gland on that tree while they're raking or rubbing on that tree to get their scent on it and bulls are kind of territorial so if i go into an area and there's an active bull that is working and maybe i didn't get him fired up that day or he just didn't want to play i will go along all those trees that he's rubbing on and i will take this bull blend from hot and i will rub that bull blend so i'm putting a different bull's scent on those trees and i'll tell you what i've come back into areas before and that bull will come and check his is rub line basically and i've seen it to where he has worked over a tree so bad because he was so ticked off that he snapped it in half and he's usually hanging out close because he wants to find this intruder that's coming into his area and dropping his scent in there um it's worked really effective to automatically raise the aggression level on that bull now other sense that they have is they also have a cow and estrus um, so obviously I will use that kind of as a, a scent drag. I'll put it on bushes. Now, here's the thing to remember when you're doing these. Think about what elevation you're putting these, these in. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. Be aware of your surroundings. So obviously, if you're using cow in heat urine, you don't want to be putting that six feet up the ground on a tree because I don't know how many cows pee six feet off the ground on a tree. So think about what they might be, you know, urinating on and that type of stuff. So it has that realism. And that's how I'll use that um, cow and estrus. Um, other scents he also has is kind of a elk serenity. And elk serenity is more like a bedding area. It's, it's kind of a calming scent. You know, elk have been in there bedding. I don't use that one too much. Uh, primarily the two I really use are the bull elk and the estrus. Um, and he also does just have a straight cow. So, so that's really kind of how I use, you know, those scents. The bull scent I'll tell you is really, really effective. Um, you know, and kind of getting those territorial bulls fired up even more to defend their territory. Especially if you have a bull that has a herd that doesn't have a lot of satellite bulls hanging around, you can really make him think that another bull has moved into his area and is there to kind of challenge him for his cows. Now, just because you've done that, 
doesn't mean that you know, as soon as you make contact with that bull that you go ultra aggressive with him, you still want to build it up. You still want to start small and build that aggression and let it all rise. And if you take your time and work that the right way, you will get a bull that will get to the point that he's not going to hang up. He is basically, when he starts coming your way, he's going to come all the way to where you're making that sound from. So... Okay, so that's just a little example, and and I'll do a training video, you know, out in the field with the sense so you can actually see me uh, you using those. So, uh, Michael Merrill, if you're bored on August seventeenth, you are welcome to join me on my Utah. Ah, okay, nice. Limited entry elk hunt, four hundred inch bulls are there. Um, I don't know what I have on the docket yet. For August, um, there's there's talk about uh, me possibly going over to Oregon and hunting some Roosevelts. So, at this point right now, it's it's kind of up in the air. So, uh, Kevin Core, how you doing, Papa Rad? Welcome, welcome. So. Okay, the next thing is I got tagged on a video today that was posted in the Elk Addicts page, and it is. Basically, it's a cow bugle. And reading through the comments, um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of silly comments of, you know, gender identity because it's 2019 and that cow just, uh, you know, thinks she's a bull. She, that's the gender that she recognizes with. Other people are, oh no, that's a bull. You know, they cut off his antlers or he didn't grow back. No, cows will bugle. And a lot of times cows will bugle, uh, a lot of times, especially this time of year through the summer, communicating to their calves. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's just adding a little bit more emotion. It's almost like us um, kind of raising our voice to our kids to get our kids' attention. And that's kind of what the bugle is. The one thing about a cow bugle is it doesn't have the depth of a big mature bull. It, it, it sounds more like an immature bull. And, and at the end of it, you know, they don't have that big growl. It almost just kind of finishes it off more kind of along the lines of an end of a mew type with that cow bugle so so cows will most definitely bugle uh, you know by the time the rut really comes around and we're out there archery hunting they're not bugling quite as much i mean you could still get a cow that may bugle occasionally um but not as much as is kind of you know the spring early summer time frame and on the flip side of that bulls will mew um, I mean, if you think about it, when a bull calf is born, he spends the first couple years of his life around cows and calves. So the communication that they hear every day is that is that mew. They have they both have the same voice box. They both have the same capabilities of producing all those sounds. So yeah, by all means, cows will bugle, bulls will mew. Do I use the cow bugle out hunting? No, I don't. So. But for understanding elk and understanding, you know, what they can do in this and that, 
keep that in mind. So uh, let's see. I kind of jumped off this really quick. Um, ben, how you doing, bud? Okay, you guys are talking about bear hunting. First timer watching, looking to improve my elk hunting. Uh, Marcus Campbell, welcome. We're glad that you're here. James Coons, good evening. Um, you came to the right place. Welcome, welcome. Danny, I can help him in Utah. So, Michael Merrill. Um, so Danny, Michael Merrill is on Instagram. Uh, he's the one that's talking about that hunt. Michael, Danny is a uh, accomplished caller. Uh, he does compete in the world championships. I've heard him up on stage. He actually um, would most certainly be able to help you out on that hunt. You would have a good quality caller there with you. So uh jake anderson how we doing scott what's elk addicts i like it so um okay one time i heard non-stop mewing so yeah the the, the non-stop mewing uh, james that's you know really again it's that emotion aspect you, you know in that non-stop mewing depending on what type of mew it was it could have been a loss distressed um you know it could have been that cow running around kind of doing that oh let's see what are the terms for it contact buzz mew um demanding i i, I mean there's a lot of terms you know for that but it's basically basically when they do that repetition a lot of times there's there's heightened emotion involved so you need to listen to what type of call that they are doing over and over again and that non-stop to know what's going on on the flip side too that non-stop that non-stop mewing sometimes is if there's a herd that is moving they're being mobile kind of in thicker country they will tend to mew back and forth a lot more just to keep contact with each other and know where each other's at so again it's recognizing what's being said so that you can understand the situation that you're hearing and if you can recognize that and understand what's going on that's going to help you determine on how you're going to set up and what you're going to say back and how you're really going to work those elk so uh, Michael that would be awesome Danny PM me let let's chat so Danny it's just Michael Merrill M-E-R-R-I-L-L -L. Uh, search for him on Instagram and you guys can kind of hook up uh, sorry my comment got cut off, cut off I heard it for like 30 minutes I snuck in on the area and found a bull in a locust thicket rubbing his antlers and almost was like a cat in heat it was a 350 plus bull he was going crazy yeah I, I mean they can do all kinds of different vocalizations and um, like I said with 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 the bull having that ability to mew and that's the thing that we've talked about a lot of times um, a lot of these lower audible sounds you know we're so clued in when we're out there that all we're listening for is bugles that a lot of times we hear we don't even focus in on a lot of these a lot of these lower sounds and, and we're not sure you know kind of what's going on so uh, bugle me this last season I heard a frustrated whine then the bull bugled what does that wine mean? Got frustrated wine from Chris Rowe. No, so the frustrated wine is exactly that. It's it's a frustrated, um, you know, elk 
a lot of times you'll you'll hear it on the cows when you know they are frustrated um you know, prime example. So you brought up Chris Rowe, that video that he has of cow bugles, barks, and more. If if you really watch that, that elk right there is separated from the herd. They are looking for other elk and you know they're throwing a lot, lot of lost muse assembly muse the cow bugle regathering muse you know they throw that buzz mew out there because nobody is responding and they throw out that yeah just a ton of emotion wavy and that's just frustrated because that elk is frustrated because nobody is responding so the the frustrated <clears throat> is something that you know if you have a setup and you have a bull that's hung up and you, you can't figure out why he's hung up and it, it could be that maybe he got to that point where he thinks he should be able to see the elk that is making that noise adding that frustrated wine in there sometimes you know throwing that frustrated and then you know immediately following it with an assembly mew and a demanding mew kind of stringing all those together you're almost painting the picture that this cow is losing her patience with that bull and she's basically telling him dude if you don't hurry up i'm out of here i'm, I'm not gonna wait for you forever uh donster topic for tonight so we started out talking about some scents from hot on the trail scents um, and how I use those. And then we also talked about uh, the cow bugle and how cows will actually bugle. And now we're just kind of going into, you know, some of the questions that uh, people have thrown in. So Marcus Campbell, would you say if you use a higher pitch bugle, um, would that have more elk response than low deep tones? Not necessarily. I mean, that high pitch, that high ear ringing pitch does get a lot of good responses. The only thing is, is it really depends on where you're hunting. Um, you know, how many people are in the woods? You know, if there's a lot of high hunting pressure, if there are wolves, in the area, if there are wolves in the area, where are you doing that higher pitch bugle? If you're doing that higher pitch bugle out in the open where it can carry forever, no, you may not get responses because elk have, you know, they've had generations that have lived with wolves and they've kind of evolved and they know that, um, that if they get too loud or too high pitch or it carries too far, sometimes that's just ringing the dinner bell. But if you're in deeper, thicker timber where the sounds are gonna get knocked down, then yeah, that higher pitch could be effective. The low deep tones and the low audible sounds, those are effective um, because the elk have kind of, especially in, in wolf country, have kind of gone to those deeper tones or those lower tones just because they don't carry as far and they can still rut, they can still display emotions um, without it carrying too far and kind of alerting predators of what's going on. So, okay, so Marcus, hopefully that answered that question. Colton, welcome from Idaho, Lynn Vessels. Uh, Pat Finney, Michael, every time I hunt at a 3D shoot, they come in silent. What can I do to get them to talk? 
You know, all the 3D shoots I've been at too, the elk are pretty tight-lipped. Um, I really haven't gotten any to uh, respond. So I think your best bet on that one, Pat, Pat is going to be kind of a spot and stock type. Um, just make sure the wind's kind of in your favor, though, when you stock on that 3D elk. So I like it. Uh, Jay, can you do the call you're talking about? Oh, the, that frustrated... a lot of volume it has a lot of pitch change it has a lot of emotion um, I don't know how well the volume is going to come through this mic because I have this mic set um, to where it's going to pull that down a little bit but anytime you're doing high emotion sounds like that that that's where something you know, like the game changer uh, really is effective because you don't have to blow as hard to get that emphasis on it. So the frustrated also is not something that they're going to do over and over and over and over again. They're going to mix that in once in a while. Um, like I said, I have used it a couple of times. I don't use it that often out hunting. So just, it, it's, it's, it's just like some of those other really, really emotional calls that you can do too much. So less is more a lot. In fact, what I did demonstrating there is a lot more than what I would do. I would usually just throw in one or two in the middle. But honestly, most of the time when I have a bull hung up, I'm going to figure out why he's hung up and then I'm going to reposition my setup and re-engage him. So uh, thoughts on using scent wafers to mask scent. Um, I, I've used them in the past, um, but honestly, the thing that I found is anytime I started putting scent wafers or anything like that on me, I was smelling more of that scent to cover my scent. And it kind of interfered with my ability to actually smell and locate elk and know that they're there. Um, me personally, I want to be able to smell the elk. And, and again, I'm more along the lines of using the wind to my advantage and keeping the wind in my favor. So if you always go with that rule with the wind, you will never... Well, I'm not going to say never odd things happen, but the likelihood of you getting winded is dramatically less. I mean, you always have those that sneak in from a different direction or this or that that you didn't even know were there. But the scent is your friend or I mean, the wind is your friend. So use that wind in your favor in your setups. And then, like I said, too. You got the wind in your favor. If something is coming in, you have that ability to, um, you know, smell that elk and you don't have to worry. Oh, am I really smelling anything or, you know, what's going on? Because 
you, you you're not smelling any cover sense or anything like that so but i do have friends also that wholeheartedly believe in scent wafers i just personally don't so uh in from arizona can't wait for september 13th uh jay do you do you use that call when a bull won't come in uh, no like i said sometimes i will but that frustrated is is just something that can get overused if you are going to do it only do it once or twice and honestly a majority of the time i'm going to do it on an open read because an open read has you know even even more volume um because that's basically what you're doing is is conveying that heightened emotion on it so uh danny scent wafers give me headaches yeah they most certainly can so uh, thinking about competing this weekend in Montana State Elk Calling Competition, any advice on the bark into bugle type call? Uh, the bark to bugle is a great call. Um, it's it's highly effective, uh, whether you bark bugle or bark chuckle, whatever combination. Um, I actually do include a bark chuckle in my bull vocalizations when I'm competing, um, just because it's it's... A natural sound it's something that happens out there so uh gutter growl works best for me when hung up um it it, it can i i mean there's there's different sounds that that you can do when they're they're hung up that's that's like i said i i'm more interested in knowing why he's hung up what's what's causing him to hang up what do i need to change about our setup or what do i need to change to get him to come that extra way that's that's why you know taking that little bit of extra time when you're setting up can really make the difference on you know where that bull hangs up to to look for the cow or, or the elk that's making the sound so all right, so one of the questions that we had from Facebook today was from David, and he wants to know how how to not overthink your hunt. Um, he says, when preparing for a hunt, I overthink everything from hunting pressure to my shooting to my calling. Also, you know, the areas that I've scouted, uh, he says, I feel that I overthink it and stress so much that uh, what should I be enjoying become stressful so the thing with overthinking the hunt and it's it's kind of easy to do because you get so focused on your hunt and it, and it could be that you know you're you're in your area you're covering a lot of ground you're not hearing any bugles you're getting frustrated so you really start analyzing everything you know does my calling suck am i doing this wrong is there too many people and you really really start analyzing all this stuff but here's the thing to remember with all this is you could be out there elk hunting and flat out getting kicked in the teeth and having just the toughest toughest time and in a matter of 10 15 minutes everything can change you know you could have a bull all of a sudden light up and you get engaged or or you know you're just kind of half-heartedly going through a calling routine and all of a sudden one comes trotting in and then all of a sudden it just turned into the best day ever that you had in the elk woods Typically what I will do on that point is really start paying attention to everything around me. 
the sights, the sounds, the smells, the fl- uh, flowers. Uh, I'll start joking with my hunting partners to give humor to, you know, lighten up the mood. Um, just do things to get out of your head and get out of that thought process. As far as, you know, the shooting goes, if you practice all year long, especially throughout the summer, and you go through that routine where in your mind you have a step process everything that you're doing. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have good days shooting and you're gonna have bad days. There's just gonna be days that you're just not on. And and honestly, if, if I'm in the backyard and I'm having a day that is just, not really working that great i will just stop shooting because otherwise i'm going to get in my head i'm going to start changing things and this and that just put it away but when you're out there hunting david just really focus on what's around you you know take in the beauty of the mountains take in the sounds of the birds i mean just take a minute to stop and enjoy everything around you and that will kind of help your mindset and um, that'll kind of turn it off a little bit so that you're not focusing so hard on things with the hunt because it seems like we really start overthinking when things aren't going perfectly when things aren't going great it's maybe we struggled maybe uh, we maybe we blew a setup on a bull something happened and all of a sudden negative Nancy just recognize the fact that you are out there you're enjoying nature and you're having fun and you are experiencing things that a lot of people don't get a chance to experience i mean when you get around uh, you know uh, we can all equate to this you know we're all passionate about elk we all love elk we you know hype up for it tap into that passion and think about the number of people that never get to experience that. I, I mean, think about it. You start explaining, interacting with a bull, and you're calling back and forth, and he's responding to what you're doing. And try explaining that to somebody that has never experienced it before. You're going to have all this passion in your voice. You're going to have this excitement in your voice, and they're not going to have a clue. They're not going to understand why you're so excited about this so take that time slow down and what's funny is when you slow down and you stop focusing on success and you stop trying to force that it's amazing what happens when you just slow down and take a moment to enjoy okay uh, Michael, great advice to keep positive outlook and enjoy these processes. Things can change in a heartbeat and people often blow opportunities because they've gone negative. I have seen this happen a lot. Not only negative, but they just start tacking all that pressure on. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people that suffer from this hunt for the wrong reasons. They hunt for likes on social media, not for the love of actually being out there hunt for the love of the opportunity that we have to so uh the worst day in the elk woods often beats the best day of work absolutely so mr robert gonzalez how you doing hey by the way uh robert i loved your post that you put today with the poem that was absolutely awesome and in fact i commented on it please send me a message i'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on those reads 
So, uh, Marcus, I hear some hunters use a bark-like sound right before bugling. Is that good to use in the woods? So the thing with the bark is it depends what bark they're doing before the bugle. Okay, if it's a full-blown nervous bark, I typically do not nervous bark first. I will wait for an elk to nervous bark at me. Because basically a nervous bark is that elk saying, I'm not comfortable with the situation. I don't think you're an actual elk. I think you need to present yourself to me. Well, by flipping that and throwing it right back at him, you're saying the same thing right back. So, um, but if they do it kind of in a softer bark and then into a bugle, it's it that's more of kind of a roundup bugle that that's a bull trying to round up his cows and round up the group and, and bring those cows to him so it depends on what type of bark that they're doing marcus but no it's not necessarily a bad thing in fact when an elk will bark at me and i'm barking back i'm going to add elk sounds after that bark sometimes to add realism so they may bark i'll bark they bark again i may bark do a mew or two you know they bark i may bark go into some chuckles or bark and do a little bugle it just adds realism and elk sounds into that and is highly effective at calming that elk down so wow is it september yet this gets me fired up in a way i wish it was september but also in a way danny i don't because i am not ready at all i tried to go for a little run the other night and that was absolutely horrible so i think uh i'm gonna have to figure out more um kind of hit training to get my get my cardio in right now so uh david perfect answer thank you you bet hold on guys i got a sneeze coming on me um <sighs> thank you thank you excuse me uh nicholas curry i talk more about the encounters that i have than the kills absolutely and the encounters those are the important things because those encounters um we really enjoy those encounters and those interactions some of my greatest encounters did not result in punch tags and, and those are some of the some of the best stories that i love telling so uh bk wilson is a good rule of thumb to copycat the bull's calls yeah mimicking him is effective and 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 honestly uh you know when you're working that breeding sequence and you have that bull engaged and he's he's broken that barrier that we talked about you want to kind of match his intensity so kind of mimicking what he's doing by doing that and matching his intensity and matching his calls you never have to worry about going too aggressive and intimidating that bull and push him off so just remember good rule of thumb match his intensity or just barely slightly above don't go full tilt if he's down here and you're up here the chances of you intimidating that bull and pushing and, and pushing that bull off are pretty high but if you're down here matching um he's gonna feel more confident and he actually is more apt to raise his aggression level anymore so uh do you have any video tutorials on barking is that part of your membership so um yeah i did a video on 
the nervous bark. I can't remember if it's on the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I do talk about the bark and sounds as part of the instructional videos on the uh, Patreon membership page as part of the tutorials in the calling aspect of it. So uh, to do my favorite trick to find elk is to take a nap in the mountains. I wake up too late to get a shot. Seems like never fails. Uh, Mount one, Jack's exactly right. Mountain naps are the best, and yeah, it can it can happen. I've had it happen a few times where uh, you know I've been napping on the mountain and had and have had elk come strolling into us. So, in fact, one year I had fallen asleep and I was snoring on the mountain. I have sleep apnea, so if I don't have my mouthpiece in when I'm napping on the mountain, I can snore like a, a angry old bear. And my hunting partners had grabbed an open reed cow call and they were mewing. They were cow calling over my snoring just to kind of hide. And I actually woke up because we had about three or four bulls that were all of a sudden descending down on us that were just screaming and bugling. I said it was because of my snoring. My hunting partner says it was because he cow calls. Um, we still debate that one to this day on who's actually right and who's wrong. So... Um, I count my season and encounters, not the kill. Steve, that is exactly right. So the encounters that we have year in year and, and, and that whole level of success, you know, what is the definition of success? That's that's going to vary from person to person. Um, in, in, in our group, if, if we call in a bull 40 yards or less, that's definitely within an effective shooting range. That to us is, is a successful setup. That's a successful encounter. Um, but some people may not see it that way. It's just what you feel the definition of success is. Uh, Big Skinny, what's your best advice for someone new to cow calling and bugling? So, um, drills. Uh, a high to low and a low to high drill. Um, that's just basically going to teach you the fundamentals. It's going to teach you uh, control on the reed with tongue pressure and air pressure. And the other thing with those fundamentals too and those drills is it's going to give you muscle memory on hitting those different pitches and different tones. You're going to realize how much tongue pressure and how much air pressure you need to hit each of those. Um, but yeah, drills and basics are you know a fundamental that you know need to hit on a consistent basis so scott come run with me lol running four miles three times this week tomorrow it's not that i can't run i actually running's not my most favorite thing to do i i, I do it but because of the surgery and the swelling that i still have running is not a good option right now um i mean i do have a rowing machine at the house that will definitely get on that so scott i appreciate the offer but i'm going to turn down the running with you right now at this point so uh, Robert, remember guys, never pass on an opportunity to learn all you can on elk you don't plan on hunting. The elk themselves are the best teachers. So, nice hat, Mike. So, Boppity Bob, appreciate that, bud. So, yeah, you know, Bob's exactly right on that. So, let's say you have an encounter with an elk and he's coming in and you've already made the decision, you know what, this is not an elk that I want to put my tag on. Um, 
I just want to interact with this elk. And basically take advantage of that. Try different things. See how much movement you can get away with. See what sounds he's going to respond to and how he responds to different sounds. Bob's exactly right. That's how a lot of this really comes in and the learning process is by all of these encounters. And and yeah, you can learn so much by each of these. Um, Also, when that bull's coming in, work on different draws. You know, draw and let down, draw and let down. See how much of that you can get away with. So it's a great opportunity to learn. So uh, if Wapiti Wednesday Q&A doesn't pump you up enough to make you pull over while driving and do push-ups on the side of the road, there's something wrong with you. So Nacho, are you saying that you uh, pulled over and did a few uh, push-ups on the side of the road? So uh, I love getting a break from my two sets of twins too. Is that wrong? No, it's it's not. Sometimes, you know, a break in the mountains uh, is something that can really recharge you and you know you 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 start missing your kids you start missing your wife you start missing your family that you know you come home and you have a little bit extra passion and a little bit more enjoyment and maybe you pay just a little bit more attention to them so so no it's not necessarily a bad thing now if you know you're out there for six weeks or whatever and you're not missing them or something that could be wrong right there so uh, signed up for a half marathon last Saturday. That is July 6th. I need to train. Ooh, half marathon. Mm, good for you. So uh, the stock archery. Qu- crazy question. Do cows water separately from the bulls? I have a water hole. Only cows hit. Normal. Um, no. Uh, you know, when they're together during the rut, um, no, they'll, they'll all water at the same place. I mean, depending on how big the water area is, I mean, they may spread out um, and you may, you know, the bull may only come up and drink on the very edge while the cows run all the way into it or vice versa. You can see different things like that. Now, this time of year, yes, they probably are separate this time of year. You may have some younger bulls still with the cows because they're, you know, like I said, they're born, uh, they live with those cows and calves until, you know, two and a half or so. that time they'll break out and they'll go with their bachelor groups but the bachelor groups and the bigger herd bulls are not with the cows and calves right now they're at higher elevations where cows and calves and lower so if on your trail cam right now if all you're getting is cows and calves you have a camera that's in a nursery type area so vice versa if you have a camera that just has all bulls you're in that bachelor group type zone so uh, how do you deal with the apnea and backcountry situations? Uh, battery pack. So, uh, hillbilly Hebrew, a couple of different things. One is I have the dental appliance. Um, and most of the time, if I'm going backcountry, I'll take that dental appliance with a few extra bands just because it is lighter weight. I have looked at the portable uh, battery operated CPAP options. I just haven't bought one yet just because I wanted to go um, that mouth aperture piece first just because it's lighter weight it's something i can easily throw in the pack um it just it it, it's worked well for me 
Now in the base camp, I've done a couple of different things. I actually have the Goal Zero Yeti because uh, I take that up to charge camera batteries and stuff and I can actually um, run my CPAP off that if I'm base camped and then I just charge that that Yeti uh, each day with either um, plugging it into the, the cigarette lighter in the truck to charge or um, use a uh, solar panel so uh, I'm not going to pull over if I'm already on my way to work out. I like it. So, yeah, and we are two and a half months out from archery. Farmer's walk, Mike. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's one thing. Um, you know, weighted pack hikes, uh, the hit training and all that. There are a lot of options that you can do that you don't, don't necessarily have to run. Um, a lot of times hiking up inclines with a weighted pack can get you ready if you're doing that on a consistent basis. So... How do you balance night bugling and waking up early enough to hike out in the dark every day yet still get enough rest? That's where those, Andrew, that's where those midday naps come in. Um, yeah, there are, you know, night bugling, you are sacrificing sleep. And remember where we've talked about night bugling in the past, we will do it one of two ways. So one is, you know, we'll get back to camp, we'll eat dinner, we'll let those elk get out into their feeding area and get comfortable. And then we'll go out to locate. And as soon as we have one located, bang, we're back in camp, we're in bed, and then probably getting up kind of normal time in the morning and then working. Uh, the other way that we'll do it, um, you know, on kind of brighter moon nights is we'll get up earlier in the morning and then we'll start locating because since it is brighter at night, we can actually go in without headlamps um, and go that route. But yeah, midday naps. And that's why we carry the hammocks with us, those lightweight parachute hammocks. Um, they're not a lot of weight in the pack, uh, but you can most definitely, you know, when the elk go to bed and they're definitely sleeping for that three and a half, four hours, that's when we're gonna yank that hammock out and eat a little bit, drink a little bit, and then take a nap. And you'll be amazed how an hour, two hour nap on the mountainside in that hammock can just refresh you and recharge you. And you're doing that every day, so. Ah, uh, to do to do, missing my wife. That's a knee slapper. <laughs> She's not here, is she? I don't think so. So, um, all right. I sweat a lot from hiking, so I'm constantly worrying about smells. Am I good as long as I play the wind, or is there something else I can do to combat that? Um, no, Donster, the wind is exactly right. I mean, that's why you play the wind because. The thing to remember, guys, is is even with scent elimination prod products, you're never, ever going to be 100% scent free. I don't care how good the scent elimination product is. I don't care how you use it. You're never, ever going to be 100% scent free because, yeah, we start hiking in the morning and a lot of times we're at lower elevation going up. And because it's cooler in the morning, we have more layers on. And as we start hiking, we start sweating until we get to that point where hot enough and then we start shedding layers. Well, you've already started that sweating process. Another good thing to go with is a good merino wool top because a merino wool is also antimicrobial, which means it will also stop um, the smell. Um, I mean, I've I've worn merino wool multiple days early in the year and sweat in them a ton, and you can't even smell 
the sweat. So that's why I really like layering systems that build off of a merino wool base layer, kind of like Scree Gear. Scree Gear is a great system that you can go from 90, 95 degrees all the way down to zero degrees with their system and layering things, but it all is built off that merino wool base layer. So, so Donster, the two things I would say is merino wool top, merino wool bottoms, and use that wind in your favor. So, okay. Um, Matt Flowers, I won't be able to be on when you go live, but I'll be back and watch it later. My question is, the area I'm looking at has lots of logging roads and is pretty flat. Where would you try to locate from? I don't want other hunters in the area to get mad if they hear me a lot. Thanks. So, no, you know, using logging roads are very, very effective to get around through a lot of areas because you can move quietly on them. As far as good location areas from I mean just take a look at the terrain around you you know where you're bugling from if it's pretty flat you know your bugle is going to carry a little farther you're going to want to spread those out farther distance before before you locate again but if you take that logging road and you come around a, a bend on a finger ridge, and now all of a sudden you're looking at a new face that where you bugled from last time probably didn't get over the top of that little ridge, then yeah, you may want to bugle there again. Um, so th- th- there's not that defined walk 200 yards, bugle, walk 200 yards, bugle, walk 200 yards, bugle. It really depends on what's around you. But logging roads, we use old logging roads a bunch because like I said, they are great for moving around quietly and you can cover a lot of ground. So redfish and whitetails, good evening. How you doing? So, all right, let's see. I think that takes care of everything there. Um... All right, on Instagram, what does good elk land area geographically look like on hunting GPS app look like? Example, Onyx, et cetera. It, it really depends on the areas that you're looking for. I mean, when I'm looking for a new area, the few things that I'm looking for on the map is that northeastern facing dark timber, cooler side of the mountain, bedding area. Um, A big thing that I look for a lot too is benches. If I can find benches on those northeastern facing slope areas that are about a third of the way from the, or or a third of the way from the top. So if you go up on the mountain on the face and here's this bench and it's on that upper third, especially if it's in that northeastern facing, that's definitely an area that I'm going to really be interested in checking out and and, and looking at. The other thing too is I want to find open areas, open ridge lines, lower open meadows, things that they could get into and feed at night, especially if it's a dark night, they're going to want more open areas. Um, But it's, it's, I usually start with the bedding area first and then work backwards from there. Okay, I found my bedding area. Where's the nearest water? 
and then I'm going to start looking for those open feeding areas as two. And then once I have all of those, then I'm going to start looking at topography for saddles, uh, for natural funnels that they could use as travel corridors. And then I'm just going to kind of start plugging all those dots in. Now, the one thing is, is you can drop those on the map. You can find locations when you're doing your e-scouting. But what's really going to tell the difference is once you actually get out there and start getting boots on the ground and paying attention to the actual sign that you're seeing. And then some of those too, once you start getting into fresh signs, start following it. See where it's going. See, you know, connect all those dots, connect all those pieces. And you may find a a few travel corridors yourself by doing that that's going to help you move around as well. So, uh, Michael Hamilton, when I decided to finally start working out, I seriously overdid it with a 12.8 mile bike ride wearing my pack with about 30 pounds. Really need to scale it back to begin with. Yes, when you start, okay, start slow. So you guys have heard me talk about HIT training quite a bit, which is high intensity interval training. A good way to start with HIT training is 30 seconds of intense exercise with 30 seconds of rest, but pay attention to your body, okay? So if you do that 30 seconds, so say I'm doing just self-weighted body squats for 30 seconds, If that 30 second rest period, if my heart rate does not come back down enough, then extend that rest period out. Get that heart rate back down before you go into your next 30 second burst. But do that and then eventually you'll work it up to where maybe you're doing 45 seconds or a minute of high intensity with, you know, maybe now you're in good enough shape that a 15 to 20 second break in between before you go to the next. And that's where the HIT training is cool because you could do a high intensity, really good workout that elevates your heart rate, really gets your lungs going. And, you know, you're seven to 12 minutes, 15 minutes and you're workouts done. And these are things that you can do anywhere. You can do them at home. You can do them in the gym. You can do them in your backyard. Just get creative with it. So, uh, Scott also have sleep apnea. Good to hear about the mouthpiece. Yeah. The, the dental mouthpiece, I, I, I want to say it was like $1,500. Um, I actually went to a sleep apnea, ma- uh, dental appliance place to, to get it. And yeah, it definitely, definitely helps it. It just basically pulls that bottom jaw. They'll take a cast of your mouth and it's custom made to fit for you. Um, is it true elk don't see red light? Um, you know, I've tried it on the headlamps. I've tried red, I've tried white, I've tried green and, and, um, the red and the green don't carry as far. Um, so I think from a distance, no, but I don't know. I, you get close enough. It doesn't matter what light is what color it is they're gonna they're gonna booger so um on night bugling get one bugle make note of where he is and leave if you get them going they may bugle through the night and we'll be going to bed earlier than normal so yes when we're night bugling as soon as we get a response we don't we don't stay there and continue to interact with that elk um we made that mistake in the past and actually called in bulls in the dark so as soon as we get that one response we have the information we needed we shut up we get out of there we're back the next day 
Uh, Turbo Dave, been dealing with elk in northern Idaho, barking instead of bugling. I can't figure out how to do this. Any tips? So the bark is 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 basically it's you're almost hitting a middle note like you're going to start a cow call and then you're oh adding your voice into it oh so start slow and break it into two parts get the note and then oh And then once you can consistently do that with both those parts, then combine them together. And then once you have those, then you can speed up and force that air. So, but break them into two parts, start slow, then bring the two parts together. So, uh, they've logged the heck out of state land and unit, blah, blah, but it's great access. At first, we were sad faced, but it hasn't really brought more people in, and access for getting elk out has greatly improved. Uh, it's also given something to do with 95 year old. So, yes, logging is not necessarily a bad thing. You've got to understand when they log, they actually open up the canopy, which allows light to get to the forest floor, which actually in turn creates better vegetation and better feed. So, logging is a good thing it depends on what type of logging they're doing whether they're thinning or it's a straight on clear cut so thinning is a great thing so all right guys guess what uh the countdown has started and we've got a ton more cameras if you're a patreon member he discusses a really cool e-scouting e tool to use so yeah jack i'm glad you guys enjoyed that that's my number one tool so uh real quick see if i can sneak this one in do the elk move in the morning because of the sunrise gravitation basically they're moving to their bedding area so that they can get onto those cooler sides of the mountain and in the cooler timber before the heat of the day gets too high so all right guys 45 seconds remaining. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in tonight. Had a great time again. Appreciate all the comments, all the questions as always. So uh, keep calling, keep practicing. Most importantly though, guys, have fun. And we'll see you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A brought to you by Elk Calling Academy. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.